well. Free creepy yeah. music. <laughs> Just keep going. You can't For really sure. hear it. Cool. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. You want to go, like, hang out in a super cool, romantic, fun, cute little cabin in the woods with, like, us and three of our friends? Absolutely not. I've seen the Evil Deads. What if I said this? Groovy. Okay, if, if, if Bruce Campbell's there, his chin is there in the woods, you might be able to convince me. Yeah, folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to talk about Evil Dead. Um, this so is, fun. So fun. I've been we love waiting it. to do this episode for we, so long. We love this movie. This is one of the first horror movies we watched together, actually. Mm-hmm. And we dressed up as Ash and Mia from the remake in 2018. So peep that social media. We will post it there. It was a good time. So I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes. Accurate. Bringing you horror right to your headphones. Mm-hmm. Or to your speakers. I don't know how you listen to this. I'm not your dad. True. You're not my dad. <laughs> Too many Vine references. We need to back off. Yeah, this is not a Vine podcast. Or is it? Or is it? Yeah, so we're going to be doing today, not the whole Evil Dead franchise, but no. like half of it. So we're going to be doing the original Evil Dead from 1981. Mm-hmm. And the soft reboot slash maybe sequel, Evil Dead, from 2013. Yes, correct. So this is going to be a two-parter. This first episode, we're really just going to talk about the plot of both movies and how they relate what a little bit compare and contrast yeah yeah compare and contrast and all of that and then the second part which is going to come out again a week from today we'll kind of analyze it a little bit more do kind of like our second second act thing (laughs) um and just talk about the the different themes and just kind of dive in a little bit deeper so for this one here's here's how it's going to work we're going to kind of talk we're going to talk about the production of both of them yeah who was in it who made it who was involved in both of them and who came in for the remake and all of that right and then we'll head on into the plot we'll we'll go with you know how they came out we'll 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 do evil dead proper the evil dead i guess is what it's technically called correct we'll discuss that plot and of course we'll be relating throughout because they have so much to do with each other yeah and then we'll go into the plot of the remake and discuss it and then you'll tune in next week and hear what we really think about it Mm -hmm. can't wait all right so the evil dead what year did it come out who made it who was in it tell me all the hot goss so the evil dead was released in 1981 directed and written by sam raimi produced by robert tapert who has like taken his career through the whole thing Mm -hmm. Uh, tapers the producer of every evil dead franchise okay portion thing great every iteration of the franchise we've got a lifer yeah (laughs) another lifer is our star ash williams he's so hot bruce campbell yep jesus he's hotter in evil dead 2 than he is in this though but he was like 19 in this one well this one he's a i think i think he's a little more like and i hate I hate this term, but in the in the second one, he's kind of more of like an alpha male. Like he's really like grown up and is like taking control, and he's right. silly too. Yeah. Like we don't really get much of the character's personality in the first one. We just kind of get him trying to stay alive, and that's it. In the second one, I think we see more of him, and he's yeah. also he's also just generally grown up. Like like you commented yeah, it was six that years his, later. Yeah, you commented that like his voice is even deeper in the second one. Right. So. Anyway, he's hot. Bruce Campbell, <laughs> holla. Other than that, we only have four other actors on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen Sandweiss, Hal Delrick, Betsy Baker, and Teresa Tilly. And none of none of these actors were big names at the time. This is some no. of the most of their like first feature films, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was everybody's first feature. Everybody's first? Okay. Ellen Sandweiss was a friend of Campbell's and Raimi. Mm-hmm. She worked on the... So this itself is a sort of remake of the... Basically, uh, Campbell and Raimi had this idea for this movie. And okay. they wanted to make it. And they produced a short that was like a proof of concept mm-hmm. to secure funding. So it's a pretty common thing to do. Like You make like a 30-minute short to show a studio or like a production team that you can make a movie that's competent Mm -hmm. and so they give you funding got it got it got it because like that's the last for that a lot of times or you just bring it in assuming that they're going to ask for it and you just have it made yeah so they produced that together with uh ellen sandweiss was in that as well got it 
a few years earlier. Then that allowed them to make this between 1979-1980 and then release it in 81 and then 82. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, yeah, just five actors. Sam Raimi was as the writer and director. Robert Tapert as the producer. Joseph Luduka did the music. Tim Filo was the cinematographer. Edna Ruth Paul is the editor. She's going to come up later. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the proof of concept let them get the distribution from New Line. Actually, sorry, Stephen King got them the distribution from oh. New Line Cinema. All right. So they shot this. They did a small release in October 1981. Mm-hmm. Stephen King sees it, fucking loves it. Nice. And then writes up about it and New Line Cinema sees it. Stephen King loves this new horror movie. And they're like, okay, well, we'll pick that up. Yeah. Because they can just put a Stephen King blurb on it and make, well, $3 million. (laughs) Instantly, almost. Yeah. And this was a pretty low budget for the time, right? Yeah, they shot this for under $400,000. Yeah, which, that's that's nickels. For the amount of production on this film, yeah. yeah. This is a very highly produced film, by which I mean there's a shit ton of set design. There were... And everything's practical, right? Yeah. All of the makeup and stuff. Everything was either practical or stop motion. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, the stop motion. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that part. I love <laughs> it. I love it so much. And this is what gave Sam Raimi his career. This was Raimi's first feature film as mm-hmm. well. I mean, he it couldn't have been any earlier. He was he turned 20 during the production of this. That's incredible. Good for him. And also, thank you. Yeah. Like, I love this movie. <laughs> this um, whole franchise. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say up top and expand on it later. If you have not seen a horror film, I mean, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you haven't. <laughs> but if you have a friend who isn't quite into horror, mm-hmm. this is a really, really excellent introduction. I think it's a really solid horror primer for sure. Yeah, just because it's like it's such a palatable plot because it, everyone everyone's either like seen a cartoon or mm-hmm. like a. I don't know, like another teen movie that is about like kids going to a cabin and getting like kind of spooked. It's not like yeah. it, 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 since it's for kids, it's not really like a horror film or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't like, it doesn't go that crazy. But like everyone's like read a story or, you know, something like that when they were kids that I think that this is just a really accessible film for someone who isn't quite into horror yet. Yeah. And then the only other thing about this is that I think is really funny. This and Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. were both given an X rating, which was basically only for pornography at the time. Yeah, and I know I know that it was legitimately banned. In a lot of places, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I heard it was banned in several places for its extraordinary gore. Yes. Which is kind of funny to think about today because there's it's, it's not that bad. But again, we've been desensitized mm-hmm. just from... The amount of gore that's in current movies. So. Yeah, and it's funny because like this was basically considered a splatter film when it came out, which is a horror term for a movie with it that focuses on and sort of languishes in excessive gore and violence. Yeah, different from torture porn. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one is this one is like you have very little setup, and then once shots are fired, it's just you're on the roller coaster. Yeah. Like once you once you go down that first hill, you are on that ride and it does not stop until the end. Uh, and it is just constant gore and milk somehow. Yeah. Um <laughs> them like spewing so the gross. It, it, it grosses me out so much. It's so good. The only other films that like had done this before mm-hmm. were I Spit on Your Grave from Mm -hmm. 1978 and Cannibal Holocaust from 1980. Mm -hmm. So those are the only two like known splatter films of this type. There had been others, of course, like it's not the first time anybody had done that. Hell, The Shining has the blood flood. Yeah, but I I get how this is pretty revolutionary. Yeah. All right. So now that we know who worked on the original The Evil Dead, Mm -hmm. who worked on the remake, the 2000... 13. 13 yeah. remake. 2013 Evil Dead. This is the soft reboot slash sequel. Yeah. It, it we'll kinda, get into that. Yeah, it kind of lives in a different but similar space. But yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> Evil Dead 2013 was directed and co-written by Fede Alvarez mm-hmm. in his first feature. He co-wrote it with Rodas Ayagues. So there are two Uruguayan filmmakers mm-hmm. who had worked together in the past. And then the script doctoring and sort of translation issues were done by Diablo Cody 
who is known for a number of her films, but she did uh, Juno very famously. Production was from, again, Robert Tapert, Sam Raimi, and Bruce Campbell, who have all been producers on every film now. Mm-hmm. It starred Jane Levy in her one of her big breakout roles. Amazing. Love her. Shiloh Fernandez as her brother, mm-hmm. David. So, yeah, Jane Levy plays Mia. Mm-hmm. Shiloh Fernandez plays David. The name David as a brother has just been ruined for me thanks to Shit's Creek. Oh, All I hear David. David. Because <laughs> she says his name a couple times, obviously, and every single time I just think, David. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's it's tough, but I got through it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. I didn't hear that and now i can't unhear it yeah Damn it. i'm i'm sorry <laughs> it's all right I'll, I'll, I'll live lou taylor pucci as eric mm-hmm. one of the friends jessica lucas as olivia the other friends and nurse and elizabeth blackmore as david's girlfriend natalie yes. who's along for the ride again very very small cast there's a few more people in the beginning in this one mm-hmm. uh we had phoenix Connolly as the teenager who is burned in the opening bits of the film yeah her dad some locals the woman reading the uh, book of the dead mm-hmm. but beyond that there's just not anybody else in this in this movie so it much like the original very very tight cast only five cast members yeah there's three other people with lines in the movie mm-hmm. and then there's some reference to the original yeah here and there yeah certainly the music was done uh, by roque baños cinematographer was aaron morton Brian Shaw edited, and it was a multi-product, like multiple production companies collaborated with this. Sam Raimi's Ghost House Pictures was obviously one of the production parts of it. TriStar put up a bunch of money for it, and uh, Film District was uh, also one of those, and then distributed by Sony Pictures. Originally released at South by Southwest in March 2013, and got its wide release uh, in April of the same year. Nice. And it is a tight hour and 32 minutes with credits. And which I love. Yeah. I always forget how short this movie is. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of packs a lot of punch because Mm -hmm. we have more setup in this one, but once again, once you are on that roller coaster, you don't get off until the the end. It just, it goes. So it doesn't even feel like an hour and 30 minutes. It feels a lot faster than that. So yeah, did anyone else, do we have any other notes on Evil Dead Remake for production? Yeah, other than that, we had Bob Dorian with a vocal cameo from just its archive audio over the credits from the original that's really cool i remember Mm -hmm. i remember that and that is awesome because it's the it's from the tape that they find right the recorded that releases the demon in the original movie yeah yeah that's a really cool homage and like touch that the remake has and then there's a another vocal cameo from ellen sandweiss who Mm -hmm. uh, played cheryl the sister ash's sister in the original Mm -hmm. and she is got a vocal cameo in there as well and then yeah bruce campbell shows up at the end of the credits and says groovy so hot (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna get over it so that's really it on the production side awesome so then let's get into plot of the evil dead yeah so the evil dead 1981 we have five Michigan State University students. Always with the Michigan. That's where, every... I mean, it's, it's cute because that's where he and Bruce met. No, it is cute. It's yeah, very cute. But before it's, they dropped it's also, out. It's also in the remake. Like, Mia yeah. is literally wearing a Michigan State yeah. uh, sweatshirt. And it's an Evil Dead, too, because Linda is wearing an Evil Dead. Or, sorry, uh, she's wearing an Evil Dead sweatshirt. She's wearing a <laughs> uh, Michigan State. <laughs> super fan of her own world. Yeah, she's wearing a Michigan State sweatshirt as well. Well, it's nice to have a through line. Yeah. So, yeah. we have... Ash Williams, that's Bruce Campbell, his girlfriend Linda, his sister Cheryl, their friend Scott, and Scott's girlfriend Shelly. Yeah. They are going on a vacation at Nice Lady Cabin in... Tennessee. Yeah, backwoods Tennessee. Basically just east of Knoxville into the mountains. Dolly Parton does not show up. I'm very disappointed, but well, it's fine. <laughs> sounds When we get to t- actually talking about the production of this movie, I can't believe she would want to be anywhere near it. It was a whole lot of sin. True. But like... Dolly Parton in a horror film. Oh, I'd fucking pay to see that. I kind of would have liked it, though, if it was, like, around the time that she did, like, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas or something. Mm. I don't know. She just kind of had the perfect look to play, like, a... A scream queen. Yeah, or, like, or like a like a Stepford wife, sort of. Ooh, like, I would I watch that. I feel like she could do, like, sterile really well if she tried. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I would love to see it as, like, an experiment. But anyway... Well, whenever I perfect time travel, right after I kill baby Hitler, I'm going to go do that. Great. Thank cool. you. Yeah. Got you. 
It's like Looking building. It's like building the castle for me. That's my castle. I want to <laughs> see that. <laughs> oh God. Because okay, that always goes so well. So well. Every man who's ever built a woman a castle, it goes really well. He doesn't kill himself or, you know, get divorced or um, get beheaded or anything. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we're in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here we are in East Tennessee. They're driving down the highway and Ash's car is apparently a piece of shit. It's the uh, the old Oldsmobile. It's important to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't tell you. I'm not into cars. Oh, yeah. So it was... Funny because this is Sam Raimi's car, which mm. is an Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight from nineteen seventy two. I mean, it makes sense. You got to save. Mo- you got to save money. Yeah, they're driving Ash's car, and there's a whole bunch of lines about it being a hunk of junk, and it doesn't want to work, and only the horn works. I mean, when I when I worked on Stranger Things, all the cars that they use in that opening scene of season two, it, they were all donated. Like people who were involved in the production, it was all their cars. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. It's usually the case. Like, yeah. yeah, every movie I've worked on that was required a car, it was one of ours. Yeah, because it's yeah. just you just use what you've got at that point, mm-hmm. unless it's a very specific need. I can't tell you how many people try to use my old Volvo. I think they actually put up a casting notice for cars. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Like, no, no, they, no. Because they wanted like old trucks and they wanted, yeah. you know, period appropriate things. So. That they makes sense that, that for, it was his car. Yeah. They did that for West Side Story, too, that was just mm-hmm. recently filming on uh, up in our neighborhood. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> they're in the car. It's a piece of shit. Only the horn works. And then we get a, a cameo from Sam Raimi in the first 30 seconds of the movie. <laughs> he's, one of the, he's one of the hitchhikers. Yeah, that's right. So, they make it to the cabin going across this rickety old bridge that like, is literally falling apart underneath them. Yep. <laughs> the porch swing is moving on its own and knocking against the house and stops the second that scott grabs the doorknob so they're sitting around getting accustomed to the cabin they've gone back in their groceries and their booze and ash is making all this like blendery stuff Ew. it was it looks gross uh cheryl is sitting around drawing a picture of a clock it stops and then she hears join us and her hand becomes possessed and she starts drawing a book with a face on it. The phrase join us just makes me think of Pippin. Oh God, that is never the reference I would have made. Well, it's, it, there's like literally, I think the first sung words in Pippin is join us. That sounds right. And the whole song is just join us, join us, join us, like different phrases. And so whenever I hear join us, I just start singing like, I think it's magic to do is the song. But anyway, that's a random little piece but that's what i keep thinking of so i kind of start to make fun of it in my head yeah i don't take it very seriously i wouldn't know the only musical i've ever seen or heard is co-op the parody of company stop yeah cheryl's hand gets possessed and she just gets like all freaked out and watches herself unable to control her own hand aggressively draw a book with a face on it cheryl just keeps it to herself they're all eating dinner and again it's yeah ash's weird gross blender thing yeah what the fuck is that i have no idea but the cellar the cellar door flies open yay (laughs) ash and scott well scott goes down with the only flashlight they have Mm -hmm. and won't respond to anything he's kind of he's the goofy one right yeah he's he's kind of an asshole yeah he's like your typical immature like yeah polo wearing dude Mm -hmm. yeah so Ash takes this rickety old lantern from 10,000 years ago down to look for him. And Spooky. it's the creepiest <laughs> fucking basement. So Scott scares the shit out of Ash and is playing around and like poking a shotgun he's found in his face. Sounds like a great friend. Oh my God, yeah. And they find the Naturan de Manto, a Sumerian version of the Egyptian Book of the Dead, along Ooh. with a tape recorder. They bring everything upstairs and... They're having their little, like, they've got the lights off, they've got the fire going, and Scott's like, I'm going to play this so that I can hear what it says. And it's like a tape of incantations that resurrect a demonic entity, and it's like, okay, chill, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So stoked. So, yeah, the, yeah, the, this is the recording we hear in the 2013 one. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, the archaeologist, he's repeating the incantations from the book of the dead and it uh, we see it so awake smart. the demons like of course yeah why wouldn't you yeah why not just read this thing yeah i would never just leave it alone then the movie yeah. can't happen <laughs> <laughs> then they just have a nice time in the woods yeah it would be so boring oh man shell freaks out and is yelling at scott and then the uh tree bursts through the window yes everybody's like all right fine fuck it we're all gonna go to bed while cheryl is trying to get ready for bed she hears join us again at the window 
Pippin's back. <laughs> Co op. No. <laughs> so Cheryl stupid the ghost goes outside to investigate. It's like, I heard you. Stop fucking with us. Yada yada yada. Once again, great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the uh ugh, really tough scene to watch. Yeah. It's one it, of those that I cause it's it lasts, good horror, it but it's so long. It, yeah, it just lasts a little too long and I I get it, but I'm also just like, oh god, yeah. she's supposed to be raped by a forest. Uh, the hills have eyes, and the woods have phalluses. <laughs> Gross. Oh god. Uh, so, of course, Cheryl is terrified and manages to break free, and she screams and runs back to the cabin and demands. That Ashley, Ashley, take me home. I demand the same thing. Yeah. Goodbye. I, 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 I'm not making fun of her here. I just love the way she says Ashley. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So Ash is like, yeah, no, fuck it. Yeah, okay, fine, I'll take you back. And the car won't start. Cheryl's freaking out. Which, good for Ash for, like, believing her and being like, yep. yeah, let's get what out a, of here. Yeah. What a progressive thing to do. What a decent brother. Right? Yeah. I hate that that's a progressive thing to do, but it is. Yeah. Then he's immediately just like, because Scott's like, oh, it's nothing. And Ash is like, I don't know, dude. It's my fucking sister. I believe her when she tells me things. Yeah. Good on Ash for that. You wouldn't fake being that freaked out. Yeah. And it's nice. This this feels like a realistic moment, too. In this Mm -hmm. very, like, high concept movie, it's a nice bit of realism. Yeah. So while the car's not starting, Cheryl's just sitting there and knew it wouldn't let us leave. It won't let us leave. Yeah. And, like, I was noticing, and I said this to you, that the like hysterical woman physicality Mm -hmm. back then is so interesting to me because yeah it's it's a much different type of acting it's like her limbs just go like weak and she's like fainting everywhere and like falling over and it's just like hysterical or whatever and i'm just like it's almost like a trope now just because yeah it really is looks so ridiculous Mm -hmm. um it's very melodramatic. Yeah. It's just like, like, it's intentional melodrama. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so... it's It cracks me up. It's got a very Vivian Lee quality to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, falling over and, mm-hmm. like, his, like, just can't even control, like, her limbs. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Why does she keep ragdolling everywhere? Literally. Like, it's, it's like she just keeps fainting and coming back into consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, Ash gets the, the car started. And they get to the bridge, but Ash stops for some reason before they can even see the bridge and goes off to investigate. It's like he has a feeling about something. So he tells Cheryl to to stay in the car and goes Mm -hmm. off to look. Yeah. He's gone a little too long and Cheryl's already panicked. So, of course, she freaks out. This is very reasonable. I I would do the same. Goes looking for him. He pops out of the shadows, but not to scare her, but they see the bridge and it's curled up like a fist almost or like a... Like, it's, I don't know, I'm doing it with my hand, but I forgot this is an audio medium because I'm an idiot. Shit's fucked up. Yeah. Is all the you bridge need is, the bridge is fucked and it's like curled upwards, not yeah. like just falling apart. It's weird. It's like it's been ripped up in half. Like the, the beams are bent and everything and it looks so cool. It is not in use. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Cheryl just keeps saying, he won't let us leave, he won't let us leave, or they won't let us leave, or it won't let us leave. So I can't remember what pronoun she uses. Ash puts in some headphones this time and listens to the tape. Much mm-hmm. better decision than just playing it out loud. Yeah. And learns that the only way to kill the entity is to dismember a possessed host. Linda and Shelly are playing spades and, like, joking around of, like, Linda's fucking with Shelly, like, yeah, you're getting them all right. It's the you, it's crazy. She's like, I must have, like, ESP or something. And she's not getting she's them getting right She's getting all of the cards wrong. It's she's so funny. She's just being, like, nice to her or just She's being gaslit. Care. No, I think she's just fucking with her. Just fucking with her? I'm yeah. Like, oh, my God. You have... Magical powers. But someone does start correctly calling out the cards. <laughs> yeah. And it's Cheryl. It's, it's fucking Cheryl, <laughs> that's for sure. So she ends up going full demon here. Yeah. Uh, levitates in this big, just terrifying voice. Wants to know why they why they woke her up. Succumbs to the entity. Yeah. Why did you wake why did you wake us up? Yeah, why have you disturbed our sleep? It's pretty freaky. And Threatens to kill everyone. Yes. Go (laughs) off, queen. Just kill everyone. Yeah. So she falls down, uh, fakes sleeping. That becomes a new, that becomes a trope throughout the series. Yeah. So she fakes being like passed out and grabs one of her pencils from earlier and stabs Linda in the Achilles tendon. 
Yikes. And throws Ash into a shelf, which also starts a new trope that Bruce Campbell can't pick, can't get things off of him. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> it's like, like this very slapsticky thing. It is, yeah. It's because Sam Raimi's such a huge fan of Three Stooges. It's an it's a nice touch. I mean, you know, I I love like a little hint of comedy in It's a horror. it's yeah, it definitely spikes you up for a second so that the horror hits even harder. Exactly. I think it's a nice tool. Mm-hmm. Really well. Good and good emotional manipulation. For sure. Scott finally ends up knocking Cheryl into the cellar and then runs the chain through all the locks that's there. Bye, Cheryl. Yep. So everybody's fighting about what to do. They know Naturally. they can't leave. Yeah, they're, try- they're like, there's got to be some sort of the trail or something like that. And while this is all going on, Shelly is just like, I, I-, I can't deal with this. Because she's Cheryl's just sitting under the, she's like pushed up the trap door and is just chanting at everybody. It's so. She's just making comments. She's like staring at people and like so doing creepy. things. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. Ta- I love that touch. Like it's this really cool thing of like having to talk about what to do with the thing that can sit there and listen to you and stare at you and make noises and faces at you. And it's also just fucking scary. It's exactly what I would imagine a demon would do, that it's like just trying to fuck with you so that it can freak you out and then you do something rash and stupid and it can just take you, you know? Yeah, or or you, or you even end up doing its work for it. Exactly. Like you just end up like falling on a knife or something because mm-hmm. you're so freaked out. Um, yeah, this is this is a case where the makeup is really good. The makeup is not on point throughout this whole movie, like with Ash's bruise. Oh, his bruise, Remember, it looks like a drag it contour. It looks like a drag contour, and I'm like, I have that shade. Like, yeah, <laughs> It's like, I've worn that, yeah. I've worn that contour. Um, but yeah, so some of the the makeup in this is kind of hit or miss, but I don't, I don't really care. The monster makeup is all perfect. Exactly. It's just like the bruising and like the little cuts and stuff. And the mm-hmm. blood is very corn syrupy. Like it does not look. Yeah. It does not, it does not look like the, the horror blood we know today. No. Um, but that's fine. I don't really care because the movie is a little bit camp. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't. I'm fine with it being I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mind that at all. But it is just funny to point out that some of it is pretty stellar and some of it's a little lackluster. Yeah, you can definitely see where they what they cared about. Yeah, which I get it. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. Shelly is freaked out. She goes to lie down in her room and just like sleep some of this off until morning when they can figure things out. God, how I would not be able to sleep if I was in this situation. So the demon crashes through a demon. One of the many that's woken up now crashes through the window and attacks her. She a becomes reverse a, yeet. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first. This will be the only film we've talked about recently where someone doesn't yeet themselves out a window. God. So Shelly becomes a deadite and attacks Scott. Scott throws in a fireplace and she starts burning. She pulls him out and or he pulls her out. She's like immediately switches back to deadite. It's like, thanks. And attacks him with a fucking knife. Hysterical. <laughs> I love it. Scott ends up getting the knife. The same demon knife they found mm. in the basement earlier and cuts most of her wrist off. Yeah. And so she just bites off the rest of her hands. Yeah. Scott ends up stabbing her in the back with the dagger, which seems to kill her. Yeah. But of course, immediately she reanimates and Scott just ends up hacking her apart with an axe. Yeah. If you he... know anything about demons, they don't they don't go down that easily. No. He goes and buries her in the woods, like within view of the cabin, puts up the cross and everything. Mm-hmm. He decides to go off and find his way back to town, but returns pretty quickly, uh, really fucked up, and tells Ash that he just keeps yelling about the trees and won't let them escape. Yeah. Ash goes to check on Linda, and of course, she's now possessed as well. Mm-hmm. He stabs her in the back with the Sumerian dagger, and she falls down onto it, and it goes all the way through her. So that seems like it's pretty good, but it's like right through her spine. Yeah. He start. He takes her to the workshop they found mm-hmm. and this is the first time we ever see the chainsaw in the film yeah iconic yeah it becomes an icon yeah chains are all up and it's like okay i'm gonna dismember her with this chainsaw and he doesn't have the heart to do it so he just buries her mm-hmm. of course she revives attacks him and this is when he decapitates her with a shovel mm-hmm. uh god yeah so here's where we get the second sexual assault scene because her headless body is just like bleeding all over his face and tries to assault him yeah and he does manage to escape and gets into the cabin. Of course, now Cheryl's escaped the cellar mm-hmm. and attacks him. Scott's <laughs> hey, also Cheryl. reanimated. Like, it's just everybody Welcome keeps reanimating. Back. Yeah. The only <laughs> yeah, one who stays dead is Shelly. It is a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> he has the shotgun, shoots Cheryl several times, destroying parts of her, but she won't go down. Gouges Scott's eyes out and puts a tree branch through Scott. 
Mm-hmm. The Deadites keep attacking and beat him with fire iron, like almost breaking his back. It's like a it's like a game of whack a mole. Like really they just is. keep like reanimating, and it's just it's a complete shit show. Like you just can't even like keep up with it. Oh, fucking dead people should stay dead. Uh, not when what demons are involved. Yeah. I mean, shit. The Deadites do not fucking quit. Devil works no. hard. Deadites work harder. Oh my god! Yeah. Again game of whack-a-mole like you think one's down and it's like popping back up trying to like kill you assault you trying to kill you assault you yeah no one is safe and it's so ridiculous i I think that's why i love this film so much because it's just like no one stays dead yeah it's fully chaotic and i mean yeah it keeps you engaged and it's really fun (laughs) in like such a gory way so he um. finally manages to stop everything by throwing the Naturandamanto into the fire. Yeah. They the book is burning and this is where we get the really cool stop motion. Burning. Yeah. <laughs> In quotes. Right. So Scott and Cheryl just like decompose and we get the really cool stop motion animation. And the guacamole and the gross looking grits that come yeah. out of it like gross. And none of these demons need some milk. They're just no, spewing the milk have, they have everywhere. all the milk. It's disgusting. <laughs> Too much milk. I was saying to you that like it, it grosses me out more than uh, movies where like they have like the black stuff coming out. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just because it a white substance looks way more disgusting to me than like black goo yeah for some reason. it was reminding me of um alien a lot because there's a lot of white blood yeah. in alien especially with um um i think ash too right is einholm's character mm-hmm. in alien the yeah. android mm-hmm. yeah yeah funny it's, ugh. it's just gross so finally yeah demonic hands start protruding from the corpses cheryl's body falls and just like splatters and just like explodes in front of ash leaving him covered in her and scott yeah her and scott's guts are all over him it's so gross god there's a voice that says join us but he the the same demonic voice tells us join us again Mm -hmm. dawn finally comes and he stumbles (laughs) outside feeling safe finally uh but before he can leave we see that final shaky cam rush shot trail through the forest and run through the cabin breaking all the doors open and attacking him from behind supposedly killing him yeah that's what we that's what we think and that's that's how the movie ends with that amazing iconic shot did anyone i mean we'll talk about this when we get to that portion but like they created such a cool iconic way of shooting this movie invented a lot of things like doing it from the from the point of view of the demonic entity yeah coming into the woods Mm -hmm. and going to the cabin and leaving the cabin and who it's attacking and like that's really cool i'm just gonna say that up top we'll expand on it it later all right so now we're gonna move into the plot of the evil dead remake 2013 yeah so this is not so much a remake as it is like a soft reboot sla- of the of the franchise yeah. slash a sequel. So exactly. we'll get into a little bit of that, but basically everybody involved in the film has Everyone come down and said... Everyone calls it something different. They have, but Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and Fede Alvarez have all said that this is essentially picking up where, you know, 30 years after Evil Dead ended. Because yeah. it's the same cabin. Mm-hmm. It's the like we see the Oldsmobile still parked there, and Ash dies at the end of the original Evil Dead. Yeah. So this is why we're leaving out Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. They kind of exist in their own universe. That's true. And these two films go together. So these all exist in some version of a world where the Book of the Dead exists. Yeah. And release Deadites. Yeah. But actually, I think they're only called Deadites in Evil Dead Two. But. So then let me rephrase. Now we'll talk about the plot of the reboot slash sequel of Evil Dead. Yeah, sorry. I'm not trying to be pedantic, but I, no, I, I just want to clear it up, you know? It's fine. It's like it, everyone everyone calls it something different, even though they've kind of come out and said that yeah. statement. I mean, I I consider it that because of the cabin still being there and the car still being... Like, it's right. clearly a sequel. Yeah. it's. I think it's because... Sam Raimi can't shut the fuck up. <laughs> He's like Mads Mikkelsen in a way. Yeah. Or like Tom Holland. Mm. Like no one will stop talking about what's going. Those those people are just like notorious for just saying everything that comes to their their brains. Yeah. I think it's why I think that's what the frog 
that's hiding inside of Tom Holland's mouth is <laughs> you doing. Think it's just it's it's stopping him. Yeah, I think Marvel gave him a frog to hold in his mouth so he can stop saying all the secrets. It's like a responsibility frog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reference to a that's thing funny. that never happened. I like it. On camera or on mic. I like it. Okay, so what the hell happens? Well, when one of my friends gets too drunk, I try to give them a lime so that they can prove to me that they made it home safely. So they have to send me a selfie with them holding what I call the responsibility lime. Yeah, it's a it's a good tactic. Oh, you meant in the movie. Uh, yeah. Oh. This is a movie podcast, so I think we maybe... I completely forgot that. Weird. Maybe we should talk about the I movie. guess. So the plot of this one basically follows the plot of the original. Yeah, we just With kind of we, we we also get more we get we have more reasons to care for some of the characters in this. Like we've got Mia up top, we find out that she is trying to get clean from heroin. Right. Um this is her at least second attempt to get clean as well. Yes, they've clearly all done this before. Um, her brother, his girlfriend, and her two friends. Well, her- and yeah, so David has been, David is her brother. David has been yes. away for a long time. He just sort of left everybody behind. Yeah, because he couldn't deal with what the mother's death and right. Mia's addiction. Yeah, so, he so left their mother for a while. had like either early onset dementia. She had some mental health issues. I know that. Yeah, and she's and then, passed. Yeah, we know that. And recently, and he was not around for her death. So already we're tied to these characters more than we were in the Evil Dead. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we get so much more information about everybody in this movie than we which, do about. Which makes sense with it being set in 2013. Yeah, it's just a different style of filmmaking. It, yeah. And this is a more serious take on horror. This is yeah. so I've had this theory that basically there exists two remakes of The Evil Dead. Yeah. There is the 1987 mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Which is a parody of the original. Yes. So basically the first the one we were just talking about, The Evil Dead it has two branches in a timeline. Mm-hmm. One is where there's this like weird theory of recurrence. Like mm-hmm. Ash is this character who keeps dying and coming back and doing things. Yeah. The uh, And so you get the comedy of that. This Evil Dead 2013 exists in the world where Ash definitely dies and we go in a more serious horror route. Yeah. There's, there's little to no comedy in this one. That's, yeah. It's pretty, it, it sets a bleak tone from the jump. That's right. And you kind of know you're you kind of know you're in for it, but right. it does tie us to these characters. We at least know that her friend is a nurse, mm-hmm. Olivia. We know that Olivia is a nurse, so we already know more about her. It's just yeah, it's a different and I get that because when when you kind of have a more comedic approach to a horror film, you yeah. don't really care about the characters too mm-hmm. much or you don't need to, but when you're going to go with this bleak tone, if you're not if you're not going to give me a reason to care about people dying, then it just becomes a little doom and gloom and I'm not feeling the yeah. roller coaster of emotions that mm-hmm. I should. Well, it's a difference in film theory as well. Yeah. You know, changing from like the 70s and 80s where yeah. it was just like make a splatter film, make a slasher film. That's it. Yeah. It's horror. That's all. Who, who fucking cares what Good these characters are Good gory fun. Like? Yeah. Good gory fun. And this one is more of like a drama. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate that we get backstory just because of how they were going like you said it's just a difference of filmmaking and how yeah. you construct a story and everything so yeah we open yeah. with this one and actually the, the very beginning of this movie is phoenix Connolly, who i mentioned yes running through the woods and being captured by two and she's like seemingly innocent you're kind of wondering yeah. like why why is she being chased and the first one doesn't do this little no there's no stinger there's at the no beginning. stinger Right. Um, I think what this is trying to tell us is that because they because Ash never completed that it's still out there. Right. Yeah. And it kind so, of, and it has been for years. Well, and it kind of helps this movie. I mean, I would definitely recommend watching the original before seeing this mm. sequel for sure. But it can kind of stand alone too. Yeah. And this helps it. The stinger in the beginning um, helps it stand alone because it kind of, again, I've said it in previous episodes that a stinger sets up that that tone of like, here's a little snippet of what is to come and, yeah. and, and you kind of like get ready. Put your panties on. Right. Like, let's you go. know, let's go. So 
I think this the, definitely helps it stand alone, which I'm going to talk more about later with the yeah. storytelling in this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got this seemingly innocent girl in the woods who's... Um, Captured, yeah. hooded, and then mm-hmm. she... And knocked out. And then she's we she wakes up in a basement filled with like cat bodies and barbed wire and rough like witchy sort of things yeah and a bunch of hills have eyes looking people yeah it's very like culty yeah Yeah. it's like yeah backwoods sort Mm -hmm. of thing there's a woman speaking a language that is not english might be like a sort of like religious yeah i was trying to i was trying to piece out if it was latin but it didn't sound like latin to me but i'm not sure Uh, yeah i don't know um and then this sort of like accountant looking man yeah so he douses we find we learned that this is the teenager's dad yes. she's like daddy why are you doing this to me and he douses her in lighter fluid mm-hmm. and gets a match ready while this old woman reads passages from the naturum de monto yeah he lights her on fire and she's screaming and begging and we find out she's like where's mommy i want mommy and he's like you killed her yeah and She's like, why are you doing this, Daddy? Don't do this. And he's just, like, trying to light the match. And the second before he does, she just looks at him and goes, I will tear your soul out, Daddy. And it's, it's one of so my great. absolute favorite. It's, so it's one great. of my favorite deliveries of a line in any movie ever. She just kills this opening scene. No, it's amazing. And this also, we also find out from this that, like, that didn't even work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it, that it, it, it kills I guess, the possession in one, in but it, one, but it doesn't just kill the entire entity. It, yeah, it, it, it I think just, it makes it dormant. Is essentially what happens. Yeah, because it's and then, like it can't it can't exist fully without possession. And then it's awakened later because the same thing happens in this one that yeah. happens in the original. So. Yeah. So now we can jump to that. Yes. Here we go. So now the five friends are at this cabin in the woods. It's yeah. the exact same cabin from the first one. We even, even the, see the, the Oldsmobile is there, yeah. And I think I might be wrong. I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I want to say that we have the same shot of the swing before they... Yeah, we get some of that. We get the, I, the pan over, the flyover shot of the woods. Yeah. And don't we get another one of those follow shots? Later on, yeah. Later on? Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Not immediately, but later I'm, on. I'm jumping ahead of myself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Mia's sitting on top of the Oldsmobile... Eric and Olivia are unpacking the car. Mm -hmm. David shows up in his red Jeep with Natalie. And, oh, weird. David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, Natalie. Huh. Take the first letters of each of those names. Stop. Yep. Oh, my God. I never noticed that. (laughs) That's wild. It's just fun. It's It's dumb. It's like in sync. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, it's it's all of their first names. First letters of the first names. Who's the Y? Oh, I think it. So I think what it was was like Justin, Joey. Oh. Because like, there was something where. Wait. Is it the last letters of each of their first names? Justin, Joey, JC. I'm gonna have to. Lance. I'm gonna have to look this up no. now, because I've said it and it's on air. And we and can't edit audio. I can't. I can't edit audio. No one can. No one has that software. Yeah, no one's figured it out yet. Okay, okay. Okay. So, just to clear this up. It was bewitched? No. It's just like in sync. It's just like in sync, except within sync, it is the last letter of each of the initial members' names. So you got Justin, Chris, Joey, Jason. Who's Jason? Lance. Oh, it must be. Because then you've got JC. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. Interesting. And also, apparently, Justin Timberlake's mother commented on how in sync the group's singing voices were. And how demonic these characters are. She, all, Justin Timberlake's mother also commented on how demonic Evil Dead 2013 is. Hmm. Good for her. Don't fact check me. I won't. I would never. <laughs> so, they find the cabin. Mia performs a ritual, sort of like dumping her dumping the heroin down into, the well. Yeah. David gives her this necklace that's a wooden version of the necklace that Ash gives Linda in yes, the original. Yes, we, we failed to mention that when we did the plot of the original, but it's not 
It's it, not important in this it's one. Only, it's only important for the detail that it comes back in the second yeah. one. It's just, yeah, it's a wooden version because the first one is like some metal Yeah, work. it's a really pretty like silvery metal work thing. And it kind of looks like a monocle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little reading glass. That's all you really need to know. So Mia is like, okay, I'm going clean. I never, she like tries to, starts doing this like very like lofty sounding thing. And mm-hmm. she goes, fuck it. I will never touch this shit again. Yeah. And it's like, let's go. Yeah. So the cr- they're all hanging out. Mia's immediately just like, or I guess uh, Olivia's taking care of Mia, giving her, like, reading her vitals, doing her things, mm-hmm. just, like, making sure that she stays healthy because it's not- heroin is notoriously difficult to get clean from. Yeah. And the withdrawal symptoms are very, very hard, can be very, very harmful. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're taking care of Mia, trying to make sure that she stays chill and everything. Eric and Olivia lecture David and are pissed at him. Yeah, rightfully, reasonably very, very so. rightfully so. Yes, yeah. we find out that he's just been off being a mechanic somewhere around Detroit. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mia starts screaming that it stinks and it smells like death, and she can't understand why everybody can't smell it. Which, like up top, this is such a brilliant tool to have. Like the comparison, uh, like you can easily think that someone's just they're just withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to, again, go into that later, but just to give you a little taste, it's amazing. Anyway. Facts. Facts. So they end up going down into the cellar Mm -hmm. where we see the torched pillar where the girl was tied to and all the rotting corpses. We get that cool shot of them, like, finding it, right? Yeah. Or, like, the rug. Do they pull the rug up off or is it, like, a... So, Grandpa, the dog starts scratching at the rug. Right. I forgot about Grandpa. And How could I? they pull the rug back and there's a blood stain, like a drag stain, yeah. and the cellar door. That's right. It's a great moment of just like... <gasps> and I just love Jane Levy's delivery here of just like, this is this very like, fuck you sort of thing of like, I told you. Yeah. You're all fucking crazy. I'm not fucking crazy. Yeah. So they go, uh, David and... Eric, go downstairs. Well, and the, what's the reason, just to go back for a second, what's the reason we're even at the cabin? Who, so, who owns it? So David and Mia's family own the cabin. Right. And we assume they to, that we they... We know that they went there as kids. And we assume that they bought it from whoever owned it. Like, it's been sold. It's They're not right. related to whoever. Yeah. You know, it's not like a family yeah. cabin. It's right, because their last assume, name's not Williams. Yeah, you know, it's, they're they're not Ash. Well, and Ash was Ash's dead, so it couldn't have been whoever. Yeah, and, the, and they didn't even own it; they were just renting it from a guy. Yeah, so there's no relation there. I just wanted to clear that up before we continued with the yeah. cabin. This is not Ash's like daughter or niece or something. Yeah, there's no relation. So David and Eric decide to go downstairs into the cellar and find out what's going on down there. They find all the rotting corpses, all the witchy shit, the burned pillar. The little double-barreled sawed-off shotgun, Mm -hmm. again, reference to Evil Dead 2. Yes. And this thing that is wrapped in barbed wire and, like, black plastic, Mm -hmm. which ends up being the Nostrum de Monto. So even though there's, like, 10,000 warnings in this book, which says, do not, do not... uh, Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. They're all written and, like, scrawled in this horrifying red handwriting that you have to assume is, like, blood and everything. Yeah. And there's all these terrifying Because you can't get rid of the book, so what do you do? Wrap it in barbed wire. Like, don't fucking touch. Yeah. If I found something wrapped in barbed wire, I would not open it. Yeah, because you can't get rid of it. So you've just got to warn people, but there's always going to be someone dumb. Yeah. Enough to, and curious enough to open it. So the demon lives on. (laughs) So Eric ends up like there's a page missing or something like that and he scratches out he does the like um like when you go and do gravestone rubbings did you ever do that as a kid like take a field trip to a graveyard and they would have you do like rubbings i've seen it done but no i've never personally done that it's cool and fun and probably one of the other things that got me really into horror and spooky shit as a kid nice like going yeah, to graveyards I'm... when i was six and just like trying to find the creepiest gravestone and doing a rubbing of it mm-hmm. so he does that cool. to find out what it says and he ends up reading it aloud to himself and Rookie says the mistake, incantation man. Kunda. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Don't, Estrada. don't say No, no. Don't say it. What don't say Montose? N- eh, eh, stop. I don't want to be haunted. Possessed. Okay, so I won't say the last word then. We're good. Oh my god. Kunda. 
I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) So Eric reads out the incantation and brings up the abomination. That's when we finally get the rush shot is in between him saying these words. That makes sense. Invoking the demon. And as he says the last word, the door bursts open and slams into Mia. Yeah. The force slams into Mia and she vomits everywhere. Yeah. Is is this the part where she's like pacing around in the rain? Yeah. Yeah. And she then sees a bloody girl in the woods and starts begging everyone to leave. She's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I don't like this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Which is just like um, Cheryl Cheryl in the first one. Mm -hmm. Of course, everybody believes she's going through withdrawal. So Mia just is like, fuck y'all then. She steals Eric's station wagon and floors it through the woods, sees the naked bloody girl again, swerves and crashes into that swamp. Yeah. She wakes up, tries to get out of the car. Which I was surprised she survived because in most movies, when you see that scene happen, you've got a big bloody gap in your head. Yeah, or like the skull used to be, or like the cops find the body like a yeah month later or something. Gross. Yeah. So she doesn't drown. She doesn't. (laughs) She gets out of the car and she tries to run through the woods and gets captured by or like grabbed by the the thorns and the vines and everything like that and we get a repeat of Cheryl's bit in the woods where it's like wrapping around her and choking her and holding her in place and the sees so Mia sees the abomination version of herself in yeah. front of her and she vomits a vi- the abomination vomits a vine up which yeah. then goes up Mia's leg and successfully possesses her yep um just like the first one they find Mia get her back to the cabin and they're like David actually believes Mia and he finds that she's his, in trouble. And he finds his murdered dog. Yeah, they find Grandpa with his head bashed in with a hammer. Horror movies need to leave the animals alone. I don't like crying. Yeah, it's sad. It's really sad. Leave the animals alone. But yeah, David holds the dog as it dies and then goes to confront Mia, who he knows is in the shower. But she, she won't let him in and they're all kind of getting panicky because they can sort of see a bunch of steam and everything. And yeah. they run in and Mia's face is just melting off. Which is how I like my showers. It is actually. I, I think the first time we watched this together, I just looked over and just said, at you and just go, that's you. I love scalding water. The hotter, the better. Oof. Feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, there's been heavy, heavy rains. David grabs Mia, immediately tries to rush her to the hospital, and the road's flooded out. Of course. Olivia finally gets Mia kind of stable. Yeah. And is freaked out now. She's like, this is, be- I didn't think this was going to happen. This is beyond what I can handle here. She has really bad burns. She needs to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, we can't. And you already lost that opportunity for us when you wouldn't let her go earlier. It won't let us leave. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mia comes out of the room, which terrifies everyone because Olivia's like, I gave her enough to put down a fucking horse. And she's got the shotgun. She's dragging it on the floor. Mm-hmm. Shoots David in the arm and says, you'll all die tonight. <laughs> cue nervous laughter (laughs) like okay they end up like fighting and david knocks her into the cellar and locks her down in there just like the first but of course she's already vomited a big old bunch of blood over olivia's face cute olivia goes to the bathroom to wash herself up and doesn't know why but she smashes her head in the mirror and girl you've been possessed yep that's what that means shatters it yep so she tries to leave and she gets locked in place and wets herself and right as eric is coming to the door to check on her the door slams in his face and he can't get in yeah the peeing herself is a good um good moment it's Mm -hmm. you said it the other night it's showing us that she has lost all control of her body yeah it's pretty cool so yeah, we get like little shots of the book of the the book of the dead flipping open to random pages of stuff that's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so Eric tries to like force his way into the room, and once he finally gets in there, he finds Olivia hunched over in the shower with a big shard of glass sawing her face open. It's pretty dope. And she's got the full possessed eyes. Stabs him in the chest, and he ends up bashing her head in with part of a sink or a toilet. Yeah. It's real rough. And oh, and not after she's stabbed him 400 times in the eye with a needle. Oh my god. Yeah. This is where uh, the gore really takes off, guys. Mm-hmm. It does not stop for n- another hour. Yeah. David patches Eric up as best he can. Mm-hmm. And Eric's like, I did this. When I read the book, it released something evil. 
and they're discussing the book and he's like showing him like Mia with the scalding water mm-hmm. or he's showing them the, the, the thing with the scalding water. He shows him Olivia with the wrenched open face. Yeah. I forget what Natalie's is. Each of them mimics a picture in the book. Yeah, which is such a, which is always something that I've enjoyed about these types of movies where like the book tells you exactly what. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that's always such a fun thing. Yeah. A fun but not fun thing. I don't know. I'm into it. It's it's a fun little um, detail. Yeah. So Mia's doing the same thing that Cheryl was doing in the original. She's peeking her head up under because the uh, trap door doesn't latch down all the way. Mm-hmm. She's like pushing up against it and she's like just like making comments and being really gross at Natalie. Yeah. And this is sort of going, yeah, cut back and forth with Eric and David talking about the Natural Dormanto. Yeah, and then Mia does that thing that a lot of people, a lot of characters do in this franchise where they, like, pretend that they're normal and they're like, yeah. please help me. Or, like, why did you let me down here? Yeah. Like, all that. Um, that's what Mia does to Natalie to lure her down into the cellar. And it's mm-hmm. all obviously a trick, but... Natalie's just kind of dumb. Yeah. Or, you know what, I would easily, I would probably get manipulated in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's So you want tough. to take care of this person. Well, and, and that's the whole reason why any of them are there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Is to so. care for this poor girl. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Demon Mia is down in the basement. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, sitting on the floor. And you can see there's this really great shot where you can see her smiling while she's faking being sad and hurt. Mm-hmm. So Natalie comes down and she's like, Mia, Mia, Mia's not here. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh. So she ends up attacking and, like, molesting Natalie she, yeah. she takes the uh, the utility knife mm-hmm. and does that really cool, like, clicks it all the way out. That sound is just so satisfying. It is, it is, yeah. Licks it and splits her tongue and, like... Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And bites the shit out of Natalie's hand. Yeah. David manages to help Natalie escape. And there's the, let me suck your cock, pretty boy. Oh, my God, that part. It always takes me by surprise, even though yeah. I know it's coming. I'm like, oh? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, very, like, Reagan and the Exorcist. Yeah. It's so well done. It is, it is. Props to Jane Levy. She's Just a, really she's killing incredi- this. She's incredible in this movie. And I've seen her in so many, you know, different roles. Like, we just finished um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And mm-hmm. that girl has some range. Definitely. She's great. So, yeah, Eric has already explained that the taker of souls must claim five souls in order to unleash the abomination. Mm-hmm. Natalie kind of overhears this and becomes invinc- convinced that her arm's infected and she's like washing it under the sink and she's like pushing out these like black maggoty looking things. Oh God. Yeah. This part is so. Ugh. And she decides that she needs <laughs> to cut awesome. off her own arm. Just like a turkey. She takes that yeah, electric, she takes the electric knife, knife and just uh, saws that shit so off. So good. Yeah. <laughs> not the first limb lost or not the last limb to be lost in this movie. Def not. Death so not. and me is just like uh, abomination. Abomination. Me is dead. She's literally like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You filthy bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, she's so good. But yeah, Natalie's freaking out. She's like, fuck you, and she does it. And it's clearly like Mia just fucking with her. Yeah. I love that. The manipulation of this demon is so mm-hmm. well done. It's really well written. Yeah. David and Eric come out and find Natalie, and they there's that really great wide shot where her arm's just hanging by a thread. Ugh. She goes, I had to do it. And it just goes, oh, it's thumps so to the floor. Gross. Yeah. David's trying to patch Natalie up, and she kind of like passes out he's trying to talk with eric about what to go on and eric's just like it's not gonna work man we what have, she we passes gotta be purified out either by no lo- yeah. she just had a whole limb <laughs> so eric's like yeah me is either gonna be purified by live burial dismemberment or burning yeah and then suddenly natalie just attacks them with the nail gun that shit's um, crazy nail guns are no joke yeah david manages to get the shotgun shoots her arm off as she's about to kill eric mm-hmm because uh, she's been oh the god it's that bit where she's beating him with like the the crowbar or the hammer yeah something she's beating the ever like loving shit out of him you feel you like feel intense. his bones break yeah, yeah it's, it's really visceral. good gore this, mm-hmm. the gore in this movie is so well done yeah Natalie turns around and like just starts bleeding out and she's like why did you do this to me yeah it's like in the first the first one I would call it good gory fun with the emphasis on the fun mm-hmm. and for this one I would it put the emphasis on the gory yeah like for sure but yeah Natalie com- goes back to normal and does bleed to death that's an interesting difference between this one and the original is that once they're dead they stay dead yeah it's not the whack-a-mole yeah game which i think is fine because there's enough chaos in this movie as it is yeah i think that would be well also again this is this sets a bleak tone and Mm -hmm. and the in the original one i i like that it's the the whack-a-mole adds to the hilarity of the situation Mm -hmm. this would just like you just said would add some unnecessary chaos because it's already it's already like 
bleak, right? Yeah, I think it would. I think it would confuse the town. It would. It would yeah. definitely. That's what I was. Yeah, the chaos is silliness in the original, and it's fun. Yeah, but it would just be wrong for this. I agree because it's mm-hmm. the the way even the way the plot is set up is like no, the taker of souls just wants the five souls. It doesn't need to reanimate them. Yeah, it just wants to eat them. Yeah, and add them to its like you know horde. Yeah, I think this was a good conservative choice mm-hmm. to yeah. So yeah, David burns Olivia's corpse, dismembers Natalie's Natalie's body. Eric is still alive somehow. He gets this poor boy just gets wrecked throughout this film. He does not get any reprieve i think that's the sort of funny like he's almost like the ash character in this that he just keeps getting the shit beat out of him yeah the chaos kind of happens to him but not enough to like kill him or really like he just gets like he's gonna die yeah he just gets like (laughs) chipped away at yeah so yeah he grabs a bunch of gasoline or whatever douses the cabin he's like i'm just gonna burn this place to the fucking ground Mm -hmm. with mia in the cellar yeah Um, but of course mia starts singing the song from their childhood and he changes his mind and decides to do the live burial yeah he has a whole cool plan for it. this is where it's a nice detail that he's a mechanic Mm because he grabs the car battery and the syringes and is like going to use them as a defibrillator yeah which is clearly his plan so he goes down to the basement to find mia Mm -hmm. and can't and it's all dark and creepy and everything and then there's that well down there and he like she starts drowning him but eric saves him but mia finally kills eric puts him out of his misery honestly yeah poor buddy like Jesus. David manages to sedate Mia, puts her in this cute red dress that was her mom's, I think. I think there's that there's that photo of there's, her. Yeah, there's a photo of her earlier where she's wearing the same red dress. Yeah. yeah puts a plastic bag over her face and buries her alive. Mm-hmm. There's that burning tree and then he waits for the tree to go out. Yeah. Which is Mia going out and he like sits there and you hear the heartbeat and he's sitting on top of the grave. Yeah, it's pretty great. Digs her up great and scene. starts defibrillating her. Mm-hmm. And it's this really great like... Of the battery flipping on and off. Yeah, this is a this is a really well done and well thought out scene, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's it's yeah. a great detail again, like you said, um, him being a mechanic and being able to finagle that sort of thing. MacGyver it, yeah. Yeah, and then just also, of course, he ha- he has to be the one to do it. Yeah, you know, it's 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 her ab- her recently absent brother. Mm-hmm. You this know? is his like final attempt to be to save her. It it yeah, it makes. Um, dramatic sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so she almost doesn't come back to life and he's giving up and heading out and we just hear david Mm -hmm. and she's finally fully exercised and alive yeah so they're like quick cool 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 we're gonna get the fuck out of here we're done with this shit fuck this shit i'm out (laughs) david goes to get the car keys and there's that great he and he stops to get the photo of the five of the four of them him mm-hmm. olivia mia and eric yeah and then eric just shows up and like slices the shit out of him he kills him so hard so this is like a moment where one does come back to life well eric do we not know that he's dead we just like we kind see of him assume. die but he comes back to life but it's that the dead don't stay dead in the original the like, everybody who gets a fatal wound in this uh-huh. comes back to life. Right. Right. Like, Mia is killed. Yeah. In the... Well, I guess she's the only one who gets the, the purification. But... But if we saw Eric die and then he comes back and stabs him, then the dead doesn't stay dead. Yeah, but I think, like, like that's what happens. It's That's when the possession happens. Right. Because Olivia dies... I think she's killed by the... Like, when it takes over her body, uh-huh. I think that's when she dies. Right, I got you. And Natalie dies because of the... Like, she's already, like, bleeding out of her arm. Yeah. Because she cut it off. Or no, she. I guess she's... Those two are possessed. So we see... So we see Eric die... We don't. Well, we don't totally. We see him get a big stab wound and a thousand other wounds. Okay, so then we. So I think then Mia we can probably assume... possesses him because the other two were done by like the vomit or the biting. Right. So then we can assume that he's not dead but possessed. Yeah. Got it. So then this makes more sense right. that a possessed Eric stabs him with the barbed wire cutters. Yeah. Yeah. Mia starts to run back and help him, but he's like, "Nope, I did not come this far and do this much shit for you to die or be yeah. possessed again." So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there. And locks her out. Sets using, the whole shit on fire. Yeah, shooting the, whole the gas cabin. In the Yeah, with Eric in it. Mm-hmm. And, yep. So Mia's like, oh, fuck. And the cabin's all on fire. And she's crying. And, and then the blood rain. Yes, it's this really great false ending to the movie. There's two false endings here, mm-hmm. which are great. Because you see that, like, 
you think that Mia's just going to have died and we're going to get this really bleak ending where Eric is the lone survivor. Yeah. And maybe dies like Ash in the original. Yeah. And then Mia comes back and you're like, okay, cool, victory. Yeah. They get to live together. This is really happy now. And then he dies. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, Mia's the only survivor then. She's going to be fine. It's over. And then blood rain. (laughs) And then blood rain and the abomination crawls out of the ground. Yeah. Because it got its five souls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then it goes after Mia. She runs into the shed to try and get away from it because it attacks her in the car. She's trying to start it, but she can't. She, like, fumbles the keys and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So she runs into the shed to go do something. And then the fucking thing, like, throws the car at her. Yeah, so she we get that great scene of her, like, getting sliced by the machete or whatever. Yeah. And Mia gets the chainsaw to try and kill it or whatever. I think that's why she runs into the shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it throws the car on top of her. Yeah. Traps her arm. And she rips it off just, like, force of fucking will. It's so crazy. This part so is wild. insane. Yeah. So she pulls her own arm off and waits for the abomination to come. Like she's chopped off one of its legs and which it's like is crawling a, at her. Which is a reference to Evil Dead Two. Yes. The because yeah. Ash cuts his arm off with yeah. the chainsaw. The possessed that hand. One. Yeah. The possess. Yeah, that's the hand. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Mia is just trapped and has to pull. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, it's gross. So <laughs> it says, "I will feast on your soul. So feast on this motherfucker," and shoves it in its face and just cuts it in half. Yeah. The corpse disintegrates into the ground. Rain stops. Mia stumbles away into the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, there's that great scene where Eric's trying to burn the Nazrom de Monto and just and of course it watching, doesn't. Like, it won't fucking burn. If you and, know anything yeah. about about like demonic entities, you can't burn it. Not all of them, yeah. yeah. At least not the source of them. No. So, yeah, um, <laughs> she does not know that the book is still intact because she yeah. doesn't know that it doesn't burn. And she yeah. just walks off and then it's credits. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we get Ash Williams saying, groovy. Mm-hmm. Looking at the camera and that's it. Yeah. Oof. And that's, and that's that. Um, so there was a cool alternate ending to this. There was, yes. Yeah. So, so originally there was, it was going to be that once she defeats the abomination, Mia starts to walk home, but collapses mm-hmm. in exhaustion on the road. Yeah. Trucker stops and is going to drive her to the hospital, but the camera zooms in on her and she like has that weird look on her face again. So it's escaped yeah. this time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't like as much as the ending. Yeah. I like, I like what they ended up going that with. That Mia is, a, is really exercised and saved. It's just that the book isn't destroyed. Well, because it's. It's also it's also kind of like an allegory for her overcoming her addiction. Yes. Um and and the way that addiction really is is like whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. right? Like you yeah. can't the road to recovery is not linear. No. And nor short. Nor short. And I think that this is kind of the way that this ends is a cool allegory for that of kind of exercising that demon mm-hmm. and but with it still staying alive, it's kind of like this message that it's always going to be there. That substance is always going to be there. It's always going to be available, as available as it always was, sort of, you know? Yeah. Um, and really, it's sometimes it doesn't really even feel like it's up to you. Like addiction is a is a mental yeah. d- disorder, disease. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and they're learning more about this every day. But like we know that much Mm -hmm. that it's not even really in your control sometimes yeah so this is kind of actually a cool allegory for that and that's what i really appreciate about this film and the ending that they decided to go with yeah i i completely agree um i think this was a really solid way to use allegory and a allegory in in a known and loved franchise yeah so that's gonna be it for our first installment of this two-parter on uh the evil dead and evil dead remake reboot sequel 2013 the one that came out 30 years later yes (laughs) so join us next week where we're going to dive in a little bit deeper now that we've established the plot and kind of gotten a lot of that out of the way we're going to talk about um we're going to analyze the themes and the similarities and the differences a little bit further yeah we're going to have a lot of fun with this there's so much mm -hmm. cool stuff to talk about with both of these films yeah i love it when one sort of entity can kind of influence someone so many years later and really just grow and evolve in its own cool way yeah and it's yeah grown and evolve in its own cool way like Mm -hmm. you said so yeah join us join us next week as always i'm nicole i am tofer yes he is (laughs) a little hesitation yeah i couldn't remember (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're the Horror Babes. You can find us at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram. You can find us at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter and HorrorBabesPod.com. Until next week. Bye, bye babes. babes. Dead by dawn, dead by dawn, dead by dawn.